Hey, welcome to the Rethink Podcast. Hey. Hey. You're supposed to stop saying hey. That's offensive and aggressive, isn't it? It is? Yeah, I was told that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot My about wife that. told me that's too aggressive to say hey. hey. Here we are. The what Rethink Podcast, and we are in Greece. Been there for a long time. <sighs> Macedonia. Macedonia. So the text for today that we're, we're talking about is not real well known. It's not r- real dramatic, but I wonder, I'm just going to read it. Okay. And then we can talk through the pieces. We're not. 17. Because there wasn't much there. 10. 10. I mean, when we went to see Berea, Veria, mm-hmm. it was still shut down from COVID. Mm-hmm. Yep. We did meet like, a really like nice the 1990s. lady. Though. I mean, come on. We did meet a nice lady. She, she was sweet. She showed us a map. She was like our tour guide. Mm-hmm. She was, she was a passionate well. ambassador for her city. Yeah. I mean, she really was. Yeah. But they wouldn't let us go down to the baptistry because of COVID. Mm-hmm. We were the only people there. <laughs> we just got out of a van where we were all slammed inside together, but we couldn't go together into a baptistry. Yeah. Yeah. COVID crazies. Here we go. It's a great ski town, though. <laughs> what an introduction. In Berea, Berea. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, so from Thessalonica. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. I'm thinking that the Bereans helped him write this, right? (laughs) For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed as did also a prominent, a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens, and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Same story, new towns. Pretty much. So who's doing this this weekend? Who's the message? Um, hey, I'm preaching it this weekend. And then Here. Ben and Van Henning? Yep. We should Do you still work? You still work at the FAM campus? Yeah, everyone's well. It's like a guest speaker deal, um, you know? Cool. So I'm like a we don't really contractor. Have those. We don't have those around here. <laughs> So what are you going to talk about? The Bereans. What about them? Well, you know. What's what's different about them than the Thessalonians? Well, he makes mention there of they were a more noble character. So here's, here's the thing, is their posture towards the Messiah. It's not, it's not even their posture towards Paul and the message. But as a Jew... They should have been looking for the Messiah. That was their goal, is to be looking, be watchful for the Messiah who would come. In contrast to the Thessalonians who were... Defending their position and religion. Defiant. Yeah. yeah. So nope. there's, okay. a, there's a posturing here of, okay, the Jews, are they, are they wanting to protect their religious organization for self-preservation, position, power, of all the things Paul was all about whenever he was a Pharisee. 
mm-hmm. get going through the ranks, mm-hmm. building status, wealth, all these different things. So is there that posture of the Jews or noble character of actually looking for what God had promised? And that's what they should have been doing. All Jews, even today, like when they examine scriptures, ought to be looking for the Messiah. That's their goal. They've actually, for the most part, given up on it. You know, and so anyway, so whenever he writes that they were more noble character, it means that they were more true to what they were supposed to be doing as a Jew. And so whenever he goes in there and he presents this message to them, they have an eagerness then to hear what Paul has to say, because is this true? Like, is the person of Jesus, is this really the Messiah that we've been looking for? And we see that in the fact that in Thessalonica, he goes three Sabbath days. So over the course of three weeks to reason with them. And the Bereans go, wait a second, if this is true, we need to figure this out. And it says each day, they examine the scriptures every day. And so there's this hunger for them to identify is what Paul's saying really true? Because if it is, it matters for how we live, how we do everything because Jesus is the Messiah. We got to figure this out. And so there's a there's a hunger, there's an eagerness, and there's a desire to really engage in these scriptures that Paul's reasoning with them. Man, we could talk a long time about that posture and other applications of it because I, I think we, all of us are prone to do that, to dig in and defend position as opposed to always maintain an open posture of of seeking, mm-hmm. seeking truth, seeking um, depth in our relationship with the Lord, as opposed to, you know, I- I'm not moving. How, how dare you have a different idea mm-hmm. or approach? That is so, co- I mean, I'm thinking of, there's, there's so many things there. <laughs> you know, we get so traditionally bound. Yeah. We don't change, want to change our practices because of traditions, or we, we get so rooted in interpretation that we won't listen. I, I know a, a lot of times people, they'll throw somebody's, the entirety of their teaching away because they disagree on one minute point hmm. and they hold on to that and they don't, they, you know, so they won't, they won't even read or listen to people that they disagree with on anything. They're just, they're just holding the fort of their position down. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think that's so dangerous. Well, and if you if you look at this, there's something really key here, is they're not in this noble character examining scriptures. They're not trying to preserve any practices of you know circumcision or anything of that that the Jews. Their concern is is Jesus the Messiah, so the focus is on the Messiah. The, the practices Savior. are a distraction. Yeah. And so there's a big distinction there for us because you're right. There's so many times we get stuck on practices of preference even. They're not even gospel. You know, like they're just mm. preference of how we grew up or what we think is right. Or, And then we, we pass those on to other people of like, hey, this is the way it should be done. If you're going to be a believer, this is... And a lot of times we miss the core fact of... Like, no, you need to be really close to Jesus because he is who he says he is. And so let him dictate your life. Not me, not the church, right. not not religion. Let Jesus direct your way and your path and your, your how you live your life. Hmm. I was just reading John Piper this morning because I'm studying for next week uh, the, the study at Delphi, which is not a scripture text, but 
we, we're, we're talking about that wall of emancipation. So I was studying the idea of emancipation and, and freedom. And so I, I went to John Webb, uh, John Piper's website, mm -hmm. desiringgod.org, because there's lots of good information there, right? And so the first article I clicked and read, he was wrong. <laughs> but I read him anyway, right? I, 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 he's a pretty strong Calvinist. Mm -hmm. I hope that's an understatement. And <laughs> I don't agree with his, uh, his definitions of the meaning and purpose of baptism, right? And so, but I read it anyway, because I, I, I want to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that posture is important. We, we've always got to be open to know that we don't know everything and we might be wrong about something. Right. And so I don't know. I think that's an important perspective on these guys. They're not just so defensive of their position that they won't listen to what do you have to say? And they, what do they do? This is, I think, is the key. They study the scripture. Yeah, yeah. They don't go to the latest book or mm -hmm. the pop trend of the day. They go to the scriptures, and they're eager. Yeah, and they're. Here's the thing: is truth, truth is out there, and truth is available to us. It's whether or not we want to go and find it. And God's truth is all over. In scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, like he's revealing himself to us about who he is. It's whether or not we're going to dive into it and look for that. Sometimes I think we don't look for truth because we we don't want to find the truth. We don't want to actually have to change if it is true. Hmm. Yeah, so for them, there's an incredible humbleness to their spirit because their practice of faith is going to radically change if what Paul says is true. Yeah. But they look anyway. Yep. Right? They're, they're checking the word because that's the source of truth that never changes. The truth sets you free. So I, w I read a book um, this summer. It was Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, David Nadif, Nadif, whatever his name is. Anyway, uh, it it's just kind of this narrative story of two college students and one is a Muslim, one is a Christian, and they were working together on different projects in school and everything, but they have this basically about a four-year dialogue of what is true. And it was actually through a science project because they were getting hung up on the Trinity and how that doesn't exist in any form and anything. And they were doing some chemistry project and there's some atom that exists in a solid liquid and gas or something like that in a natural state. And anyway, it just kind of gave this Muslim, like, oh, man, like, that is a possibility. And as soon as it was a possibility is whenever he went on a discovery for truth mm. in a real way. And he ends up sharing the story. He's the one who writes, writes a book. He becomes a Christian. He becomes an apologetic and writes all these books about how, like, when we actually look for Jesus, he's revealing himself in all ways. And he, he has this desire to connect with us and his people to draw him to him. And so it's just, it's a really cool story because he was such an adamant defender of his faith that he really didn't even understand, you know, Islam. It was just something he was brought up in and practiced. But whenever he was encountered with truth and the opening of the, the heart, he actually found Jesus. And you got to applaud a guy like that. Yeah, to be willing to say, you know what, that wasn't right. I wasn't right. There's something else that's right, and I'm going to pursue that. 
That, that's an incredible step. And a lot of people, sometimes us on some issues, we won't even investigate the truth because we're not going to change anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at the way that culture, our culture particularly, receives what we would call, I wouldn't even call it truth, information. It, the way we receive information is someone telling us. Mm-hmm. And in both instances, in the Berean and what we just talked about, and even this, this guy you talked about, there is this searching of truth. He's active, actively searching it. He's not, he's not waiting for someone to tell him. Right. He's going on a journey. And he, yeah, he's receiving information probably from people who are through books and authors and all that stuff. But there's this hunger to know it mm-hmm. where we just subconsciously sometimes receive information as true, but we've never really dove in for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have a truth basis that's consistent, that is, um, you know, unquestionably true, like mm-hmm. like the word Scripture. of God, yeah. then we we will drift and accept whatever comes right. up. That's mm-hmm. where our culture's at. Yep. yep. We're, we're believing whatever we're told. Uh, if you throw some emotions to it and a little bit of passion with it, you know, if you touch our heartstrings, then uh, that's got to be that's got to be true. Well, you, you've got to come back to the word. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's consistent in truth. And so, you know, another piece of this too, <laughs> cancel culture uh, was existent here in Berea, it was mm-hmm. in Thessalonica, it was in Philippi, because as soon as truth comes out and is being proclaimed, what they want to get rid of Paul. Right, nothing like, new under the sun. Get rid of him. Like this guy is causing all kinds of problems for us politically, financially, socially. Get rid of this dude. Uh, we don't care if it's true. Just get rid of him. Who says of Peter and John, Acts chapter four? Let's let's not do away with them. Let's let it go. Mm-hmm. They're preaching the Messiah. Was that that was Nicodemus? Nope. Um, Gamaliel. Yeah. Gamal. Yep. He, he says, let's let them go on. Because if it's true, we won't be able to stop it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it's not true, it's going to pass. Yep. Because it won't last. Truth stands. Yep. Yeah. And you even go back to, you know, Pilate and Jesus, you know. What is truth? What is truth? Is it what the government has told you? What society has told you? Or is truth in the person of Jesus standing right before you? Well, you know, you go back to, you know, John 8, Jesus has new believers in front of him and he has religious leaders. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. The truth isn't, the truth is, is Jesus. He is truth. And then he goes on, if the sun sets, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, truth and the life. life. Yep. No man comes to the Father except by me. Yep truth mm-hmm. and the and it really comes down to once you hear truth and experience it what do you do with it yeah and so that's what they're faced with mm. what decision and it says yeah that they believed and that's that's an that's huge because yeah, their, their belief is jesus is the messiah yeah mm-hmm. it's not believing a new religious system right it's this belief that the messiah has come he died and was resurrected, and Jesus has fulfilled all the prophecies of mm-hmm. the Old Testament, and they're putting their faith, belief, in Jesus. That's a that's huge. That's a huge deal. And so, application-wise, for us, like when we encounter this message, the gospel, 
what do we do with it? Because, you know, I, I talked about this last week in Clay County. I'll probably mention it here this week. To not make a decision is to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And so when we encounter this, like, we are left with a choice. What are you going to do? When you walk away from the encounter of the gospel that you just had, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to live a life that honors God with your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, or are you going to choose your own way? Because there's only two options. There's two options. Only. It's always. black and white. Mm-hmm. It's not pretty and clean and nice and neat, but it's very definitive. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean your life's great and it's going to be easy. It'll probably get harder, and we're going to fall. We're going to sin. That's why the Messiah had to come, to be the sacrifice once and for all. So it's not going to be this like nice cookie-cutter Christianity of like moral therapeutic deism type deal, but it's... It's a choice to walk in the ways of Jesus and put everything like the only hope I have is in Jesus or my only hope is in myself of fixing this. Think about the culture that that Paul's approaching here. We know it's a very Grecian city. Uh, we have prominent women mm-hmm. again like last week. Yeah, and Greeks are in the uh synagogue. Greeks are in the synagogue. Right. And so it's it's a they're being fairly inclusive mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. even already and that's pretty radical. Yeah. Um but not out of the practice. I mean, that was the call of the Jews from Old Testament to be a witness to exactly, the nations around them. Exactly, but that's not happening in Jerusalem. Right. Because hmm. they shrunk up and held to a position. Yeah, they're in a kind of a fortress mentality yeah. as opposed to a missional. Hmm. So. Powerful stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I mean, I need to go write my sermon, but you guys gave me a lot to think about. It's just Wednesday. We're doing this on <laughs> Wednesday, folks. The thing, the thing He's is, this ready already. <clears throat> this sermon is just growing like. It's crazy. gonna be twenty minutes long. Twenty-five. It was twenty. Now it's thirty-five. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna go sixty-one percent longer than what I need. There was a a lady that That's got. What I was told last week, sixty-one percent too long. <laughs> that got baptized uh, this past weekend, and. Uh, she was talking about like wrestling with truth mm-hmm. and uh she she filled out the next step form uh on a Thursday because she heard truth uh, proclaimed on Sunday she talked about it with her group and her friends who go to church here and then on Thursday she was like I got to do something right now and man that's just it's the holy spirit right there that is so cool to to have that that the spirit wooing you to mm-hmm. himself, and then on a Thursday, going, how can I take a next step? Oh, I can do it right now, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. Well, because if you to say not right now, maybe later, is to say no. Yep. Yeah, it's saying I'm putting my trust in myself mm-hmm. or something else. It, it to say I'm not sure is to say no. That there, there's only two choices available, you know, and. The Bereans are ready to accept, and then the Thessalonians show up, and and on Paul goes. They drive him out of town. I, we we made the drive from Thessaloniki to Veteria. Mm-hmm. It's about an hour, wasn't it? Sixty miles, fifty-five it, miles. It's almost a hundred miles. Hundred miles. Yeah. Oh We're my. Fast. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Between the Philippi and Thessalonica is about a hundred miles, and then Thessalonica to Berea is. It's like 80. So these guys in think about this. The people in Thessalonica was not they were not content to just drive them out of their region. But they followed them. Mm-hmm. On mm. foot presumably. Yeah, 3 days. Is what it probably So that they can run them out of town. Again, yeah. Think about a yeah, just the 
I mean, the Jewish, the Jewish culture that was so adamant and for them, they're saying, Hey, this is a false prophecy. We got to kill them. They are, they are being what Saul before Mm -hmm. he was converted to, and we know him as Paul Mm -hmm. was there. They think they're doing right. They're Mm -hmm. defending their system. Yeah, Yeah. Their religious system and the Messiah hasn't come in their view. And so this guy, Jesus that they're proclaiming and, it's false. See, I, I think the problem in part now you can't you can't lump people into one grouping, right? right? But I think for a lot of them, the issue has become their their focus is not a sense of expectancy in the Messiah. They're not really looking for that anymore. They're practicing mm-hmm. their religion. Mm-hmm. They're participating in all, in these acts of obedience for righteousness, and they're not anticipating the one who was in their presence. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they still yeah, think they it, need to work. It's clear for when it. they do it. Yeah. yeah, it's clear when they do it. But but we do the same thing. We, you know, not the sense of expectancy of the Messiah is to come, but the dependency upon a Messiah mm-hmm. is is easy to lose in our own self righteousness and religious action. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's even you know, it, their religious system was not only their religion; it had become their identity. Yeah, and totally. so for them to leave that meant leaving everything that they had known and starting over. Mm-hmm. People will ask when we when we go to Israel, well, tell me about our guide. What's his belief? You know, what's what's her belief? Are they Jewish? A lot of people, they'll ask, are they Jewish? Well, what do you mean by Jewish? Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody who's born in Israel? Are you talking about that? That's because that's Jewish. Somebody who is... Um, by by bloodline connected, or is it somebody who's practicing that ancient faith? You know, what do you? There's so many levels because for people, there, it is the essence of who they are. It's their identity. It's their mm-hmm. nationality. It's their spirituality. You can't just say he yeah. is or he isn't. Right. There's. I mean, um, and our, then our, even our, within I, religious, there's like different levels. Oh, totally. You you got the people practicing. who have the full garb that are distinct in their. And then you have the people who, you know, their heart's committed, but they don't look like that. Right. They're, they're living a secular life. But you yeah. think about, like, for the the guy you were talking about the book, like, for him to leave that... Totally. ...was, is radical. Mm-hmm. And we don't, I don't think we really understand the cost of that. Yeah. So, my the guy that I just, I secured him yesterday for the trip I'm taking in February... Was born in New Zealand in a Jewish household, practicing, right? And uh, you got to think 50 plus years ago. Yeah. Okay. But was born into that household at 16 through a tragic event um, with a friend, lost his life in an accident. He he started searching Hmm. and he accepted Jesus uh, as his Messiah. Hmm. His family rejected him at 16. His family put him out and he didn't speak to them for five years. Hmm. They wouldn't. I mean, he went to Bible college. He, he was trained in ministry, um, and he's you know he's a practicing follower of Jesus. But he moved because he's he's rejected by family. He looked for a place where he can find some identity. So he moved to Israel. Yeah, huh. he moved to Israel. Joined the army. He's served in the military, which is a requirement if you're mm-hmm. that age in Israel. Um, but he's still you know he's a practicing follower of the Messiah. It took five years for I don't know the full story yet. I'm anxious to hear it mm-hmm. before his family 
and that he opened up dialogue again. But that, you know, the cost. Yeah. The cost associated there. And, you know, defending a religious system. Look at all the wars in history that have been fought over that. Mm hmm. Right? Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing, whether you're 16 or 65, it's like when you come to that realization of truth and you respond like Jesus is waiting. And, you know, again, if the sun sets you free, you're free. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the hope for every person, you know. I, I believe if you really get a hold of the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done, you have to follow that mm -hmm. if you really get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so God? radical. God? Yeah. Man? Substitutionary death? I mean, that's... How do you not grab a hold of that? Mm-hmm. Well, the pressures. Right. That's how. Yeah. Hmm. The truth shall set you free. Well, the Vereans... Anything about the city we want to tell them? There's a Roman cart track. That was oh. about the only first century thing left in that city. Remember that? What did we do when we were there? Uh, we ate lunch. We had coffee. And we uh, went to a bunch of like 4th and 5th century basilicas. But, yep. They were cool. Yeah. But. Mm -hmm. Remember what we had for lunch? I think I had like a kebab thing. Hmm. It was in these place. It was a nice place. It was out on the street. I remember that. It was better than Thessaloniki. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Well, it's a ski lunch. town. So, you know, it's kind of a hip vibe. Hip ski town. Yeah. Like snow ski town. Yep. That's a people aren't thinking mountains with Greece, but yeah, mm -hmm. and lots and lots of you know late church church thingies. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, this has been enlightening, especially this last thirty seconds. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Rethink Podcast. <laughs>